welcome, my friend, to another episode. Hey, before we get started, I want you to picture this, your best caregiver self. What would it look like? Imagine living your caregiver journey with vitality and joy. It might seem like a distant dream right now, but you know what? It is entirely within your reach. When you craft a personalized path focused on quality care and your well-being, the impossible becomes possible. That's what the Empowerful Caregiver School is all about. You'll receive daily video lessons, a robust journaling workbook packed with practical strategies and reflective questions guiding you towards growth and empowerment as a caregiver. Plus, you'll be part of a supportive community in our private Facebook group and join us for bi-weekly group coaching sessions. Let's rewrite your caregiver story together. Join Empowerful Caregiver School today and start thriving. Click on the link in the show notes or go right out to my website at kathylvan.com forward slash empowerful to learn. Okay, let's jump into today's lesson. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Caregiver Cup Podcast. It's Kathy here. This episode is one that makes me extremely uncomfortable to talk about, but it is also a topic that we as caregivers experience, women caregivers, and we're going to talk about the intimacy piece, the sex piece, the lonely piece, the one that really is a taboo topic to talk about. But let's talk about it. Your loved one is now sick or your loved one is now injured. And your loved one could be your spouse. It could be your husband, your partner, your fiance, your girlfriend or boyfriend, your partner, your soulmate. They don't feel well. They're now taking medication. They may be going through chemotherapy, physical therapy. They had a stroke, dialysis, whatever your situation is, it may affect your mood. It may affect their mood, whatever their condition is. It could affect their physical well-being and cause limitations. It could affect their mental well-being. They may feel depressed. You know your situation. Let me share a little bit about Dennis and when he started chemotherapy. Because the side effects were what I saw. He, and he actually had, at the time of this recording, he had two separate rounds of chemotherapy and he also had a knee replacement surgery in there. But I'm going to talk about the chemotherapy. He lost, at the second round, he lost his hair. In both of the chemotherapy treatments, though, they gave him steroid, which caused him to kind of bloat up and puff up. And uh, we would tease him once in a while because he would look like the Pillsbury Dough Man, and he'd look that way. He also had bouts of nausea and just not feeling good. His body was constantly 
fighting the cancer diagnosis and the disease, but he was also trying to adapt to that chemotherapy drug that they put in. I mean, I look at it when he went in for chemotherapy, the people would dress up in the, they would make sure they're in full gear. They had all of their coverings. They would wear two two sets of rubber gloves and they would have their masks on and make sure that they also had coverings over their clothes. He slept tons. I started noticing that the steroids were causing him to be more and more frustrated and angry and withdrawing. And that was common. And and thank goodness we had a oncologist doctor that was open to hearing that my concerns about him being frustrated. And he actually took some antidepressant medications for it to combat it during that time. I know how I feel when I am sick too, because not only was he withdrawing, he was tired. He didn't feel well. And when I don't feel well, I just want people to leave me alone. And he wanted that as well. He was such a good sport, though, because he knew that it was important for me and our relationship that we get out once in a while and do something. So we tried little date nights or little drives once in a while. A couple of the drives he got, he felt nauseous and couldn't be in the car very long. I remember going to, out for, I think it was a Christmas uh, local theater kind of event. And so we went to that and we tried to plan it on a on his schedule of chemotherapy. And we knew that if we went like two weeks after his chemotherapy treatments, that's when he felt best. And so we tried it. We went out for the night and within 30 minutes of that, he didn't feel good. And I could see it in his face. I could see he was white. I could see the way he was sitting in his chair. He fought through it, but it was, it it made me feel sad that he was not feeling well. So instead of going out for dinner events, or movies or trying to get out very often. We replaced it with sitting on that couch, watching movies, trying to keep him in the home as comfortable as we could. All his body wanted to do was rest and sleep, and we needed to focus in on that. But chemotherapy affected our sex life too. It's hard, really hard for me to share this personal thing. It's really uncomfortable because it's such a private thing for me. But I know, I know how important it is to talk about this with you, woman to woman, talking about this. The reduction of intimacy and sexual relationships is a major part of our grief and our sense of loss as caregivers, as our caregiver experience. When, when we're providing necessary care to our spouse, the one that we love, the one that we have our relationship with, and all of a sudden the switch turns off or the switch goes to low and, and it's in a low volume. Caregiving changes our roles and our expectations and the emotional attachment that we have. And we lose a lot of that intimacy and our sex life may suffer for us. And I know you probably can relate. But the realization is I can the realization I came to was that I couldn't blame my husband. 
I couldn't have this anger geared towards my husband because his cancer was definitely a major factor in the loss of the intimacy, or his knee replacement surgery was a a cause of the intimacy and the lack of sex, or whatever your situation, you fill in the blank. Because when I think about his cancer, it was all the medications. It was all the the cancer drugs. Oops, sorry about that. My my board just fell down off of my computer. So it's like, okay, I just had something jump at me. So if I seemed a little bit ah, frustrated, that's what it was. But if you think about it, what is your loved one? What is your spouse, your husband, your partner, your fiance, whoever it is? What are they going through that's causing this loss of intimacy, that that detachment that they have, or maybe the sex drive isn't there anymore? It could be the disease itself or all of the things that are treating the disease or the mental ability. And I think I said that a few times now. But as a caregiver, I realized I lost my intimacy or my desire as well. And I think it's really important for you to think about that too. As I transitioned into this caregiving job, I realized I was spending more time, we were spending more time together, but it wasn't the kind of time that would spark intimacy. If you think about it, it, it isn't. What are you doing at? You're, you're doing different things. It was actually the opposite. I didn't feel like the wife anymore. I felt like the nurse, the parent, the home manager, the scheduler, the chauffeur, the driver. I mean, even just simple things like driving. That used to be Dennis's main responsibility. Now I was doing it more. So things do change. In addition, and I'm just, this is really, it hurts my heart, but it also, I, I also know how important it is to say this. In addition, Dennis's appearance was different. I was struggling with his body image. I know that it's terrible to say this, but it's how I felt. It's how I feel. He was becoming more frail. He was bloated. He, I mean, I think about when he had his knee replacement surgery. I never imagined I would see my husband in a walker or walking with a walker. And all the conversations that we had were around his health, him not feeling well. It was, it was like, it was never focused on me anymore. And I felt left out in a way. It was kind of silly, but I don't know how to say it, but that's how I would feel. If the, if you were my therapist, I would be telling you this. When going through chemotherapy training with Dennis too, I have to tell you, I am this Catholic straight-laced schoolgirl that doesn't like to talk about sex and all of the other things. But when we went to chemotherapy training in the very first time, there was a tab in this binder. It was talking about protection that was needed during the chemotherapy time. You should use a condom. And it was talking about oral sex and all of this kind of stuff. It says chemotherapy can be excreted in your saliva and semen for 48 to 72 hours after treatment. And if you're going to have sex, you need to protect yourself. And right in my mind, I'm like, fear was there. I'm like, 
I'm not having sex. There's no way I'm having sex because I don't want, and right away I thought about, I don't want to lose hair. I don't want the side effects. In addition, your loved one may have other symptoms too that affect you, mouth sores or chills or sweat or they may have a bandage on, or Dennis had a port in his chest, and he still does today. Dennis also experienced neuropathy so bad. That's where you can't, your your hands and your feet feel like they're frostbitten or tingling, and you don't have control over that. So how sexy is all of this, right? Your loved one, your partner, your soulmate, or your sexual partner was now your patient, And I know I've been saying sexy a few times, but I'm just going to keep going with it. How sexy is changing bandages for your loved one after a knee replacement surgery or the drain tube, right? I had to do that. Or you're holding a puke bag while they're not feeling well. Or seeing them at their worst where they can't get dressed and you have to actually physically get them dressed or you may have to change their pants, whatever it would be. Don't get me wrong. I love my husband to the moon and back. I love him like no other, but he looked different. He acted different and he was sick and he is sick. And so you get that feeling when you're talking to him. There were days I would just yearn for a man to open the door for me. I would yearn for my man to pay attention to me. I would yearn for my partner to buy me flowers or think of me in the way we used to, or just for me to get a foot rub or a back rub. But I also yearn for some good old-fashioned sex. Yes, I said this in my podcast, and I am beat red. This feels really uncomfortable, but I did. I yearned for some old, good old sex. My big, strong man could barely sit up for an hour at a time during the midst of his chemotherapies. Therapy. He struggled going on a walk with me. I can still see him to this day struggling with his feet and having sore legs and muscle aches and hot sweats and so on. Unfortunately, losing the intimate aspect of a relationship can be saddening, both to you as a caregiver and to your loved one. We all crave closeness. We all crave it, especially during periods of duress or stress or troubling times, such as when we are unsure of the future or scared of losing our loved one or scared of losing our independence, it might be. So let's shift gears and really let's talk about the ways that we can still stay intimate as a caregiver, because we may have to think differently and really we have to think differently. Maintaining a close relationship is important and it probably is important to you because I know it's important for me and should be comforting. Caregivers may lose that physical affection because it will hurt their loved one or they won't be in the mood for even kissing or snuggling, much alone sexual intercourse, right? A lot of caregivers feel quite selfish that intimacy is even in their mind. Do you feel guilty? Yeah, I would. 
given all that's going on, you still feel the need or you still wish you had it. But taking time for intimacy can be an invaluable source of comfort for both of you. And what I'm trying to get at here is really thinking about making time for intimate moments even in the midst of the health crisis that you're going through, your loved one's health crisis or a chronic illness. So I want to talk through some tips. I went on to, I just Googled a whole bunch of stuff and like grab bits and pieces, but this one was from an article from AARP. They give you some tips to go ahead and find the intimacy or get the intimacy back. And I totally agree with these, or I wouldn't have shared these. The very first one is an obvious one, but it's not something that feels comfortable. It actually feels awkward, and and it's a sensitive topic, and that is to talk openly with your partner, with your spouse, with your girlfriend, boyfriend, your soulmate, whoever it is that you're intimate with. You want to have some open conversations and really start sharing that you miss it share and be honest about your desires and really have some good conversation around it. Another one would be consider talking to somebody, maybe talking to a therapist instead of your partner feels even less awkward at the time. If you want to work through your feelings without fearing judgment or are not yet sure how to approach your loved one, that might be the step that you take. Another tip might be managing your expectations, understanding the, the total picture of your loved one. What are their what are their side effects? What is their fatigue like? What is their mental ability? What are what is their physical ability? What's causing the decreased sex drive? And really kind of understanding that so that you have a building block to add to your intimacy. And remember what the relationship was like before, realizing that you probably can't go right back to where it was. And it's no different than us as caregivers. Our life before caregiving and now our life with caregiving. If we try to go back to the life after caregiving, it's not going to be the same. Another one would be what Dennis and I tried to do, but we had to adjust and really start figuring things out. And that is go on dates. You don't have to do anything fancy. And as a matter of fact, my recommendation would be really short stints of time. Maybe you go out for a movie together knowing that that your loved one can sit in a nice comfortable chair and all and it's really convenient. Maybe they you know that it has handy cap accessibility, or you have a favorite restaurant you go to, or you just go for a drive, whatever it would be. It could be 15 minutes. It could be 30 minutes. It could be a couple of hours, but you kind of plan it and you plan it together. You also want to set your own rules. There's a lot of pressure, both internally and externally, to have a relationship that looks a certain way. So you really want to go ahead and not set too high of expectations, really keeping it simple for now. And for a while there, for when Dennis was going through his second round of chemotherapy, it had to be simple. He couldn't go to a restaurant. We had to go ahead and we ordered in. We did. We picked out a movie that we could 
could actually watch together. And then even if he fell asleep, we had that movie that he could go back and watch. I think we ordered it on demand. So it was available for 24 to 48 hours. So he could rewatch it or watch it if he had to. And this makes me kind of cringe a little bit too, because this is uncomfortable, but I know that it's something we should talk about. Broaden your definition of physical intimacy and think of different ways. This approach can foster a different type of physical intimacy, a different type of emotional intimacy that you have. Maybe it should go back to just holding hands as as much as you possibly can. Maybe it's stroking your person, your loved one's hair. Maybe it's hugging them frequently or giving them a peck on the cheek. Maybe it's giving each other a shoulder or a foot massage. Maybe it's writing your loved one a note and you write notes or text each other back and forth. That's the discussion you can have. They have other things like maybe there's lotions that you can use that because your loved one may need lotions on their back or their arms or their extremities because they're dry. Setting aside private time for coddling, private time for discussion. Maybe your intimacy is just having a game. You're talking and playing a game together. Find new ways to bond. It doesn't have to be the actual sex during this time. It could be something different during this time. Although caring for a spouse or a partner or a fiance, whatever, whoever your partner is, might fundamentally alter the relationship. It does not need to signal the end of intimacy. And that's the piece that I wanted to share. So I made it through this one and I'm like sweating because I feel like I was in sex 101 training. But I think, I hope this helps you to let you know that it's normal to feel lonely. It's normal to feel like you're the second person now to whatever disease it is. But all in all, you need to go ahead and think about new ways to keep your relationship special, even through these times. So if you have anything more to add, don't forget to look up Kathleen Van on Instagram and let me know your thoughts or drop me a message on the Caregiver Cup Facebook business page and let me know your thoughts. Woo! Bye for now, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday.